Now I invite you to get your Westover app out, get your Bible out. We'll be in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to look at several passages of scriptures. And I'm, I'm beginning a new series. It's a two-part series entitled Relationship Rescue. Relationship Rescue. I got the idea from a, a television program and to, called Restaurants Impossible, and it talks about a, a, a master chef that steps into restaurants that are in trouble, about to go under, that if they stay on the same path and tra- the trajectory, they'll go bankrupt. Well, he comes in in a short period of time, and he tries to rescue this restaurant from going bankrupt or going under. And I noticed he never talks to them about their napkins or their toothpicks. But rather, he, he identifies those critical areas, those critical areas that will be make or break in the survival of that restaurant. Well, we're going to talk about relationship rescue. I'm going to identify for us in the, th- these two messages, these two teachings, on those things that are critical, are critical in relationships. And I'm specifically speaking in the next two weekends about marriage. Now, the the persons that are going to glean the most from this are going to be the singles. Yeah, young adults that have not married. What, What a blessing you have to learn the potholes before you get there, amen? How many of you want to know if a lane of traffic is closed down and there's a wreck on the road and it's going to be a miserable experience and you can have... You can be rerouted a different way. You want to know the problems before you get there. If there's an automobile that's falling apart and has a poor uh, maintenance and uh, service, you want to know it before you buy it. You need to know problems before you get into it. And singles and young adults, you're going to learn things that are going to help you and probably keep you off off of the divorce list in life. And for the rest of us, We're going to fine-tune our relationship, and many of us, these next two messages are going to be a relationship rescue for you. Now, someone will say, Pastor, we're beyond help. There's nothing you can do. Nothing will help. We tried. We read a book. We went to a seminar. We went to a counselor one time. We did this. We sat down. We tried to work. We just... We can't make it happen. Reminds me of the couple that went to a counselor. And the husband and wife together said, there is nothing that can make their marriage work. But kind of a last resort, kind of trying to deal with their own guilt, they went to a marriage counselor. Just one session. After the session was over, the marriage counselor told the couple, it's not over. And in fact, he said to to the, to the wife, couple times during this session, I noticed you referred to your husband as hun. You two or three times you said to, you referred to him as hun. That tells me there's still something that we can build on. To which she said, I met Attila the hun. <laughs> Sometimes. We feel like it's at an impasse. But I want to share with you, there is a way to rescue troubled relationships. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, wisdom of God's word. 
chapter 27, one verse there, and keep your Bible available. We're going to look at some other scripture. Verse number seven, it says, the one who is full loaves honey from the comb. But to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. What is that saying? That's saying that after Thanksgiving meal, no one wants to go get a chili dog. But when you're hungry, even beanie weenies taste good to you. You know what I'm talking about? And, and here it is. He's telling us that relationships must be kept satisfied. Hearts that wonder, relationships that unravel, are typically starving relationships. Most hurting marriages are starving marriages. It's something that is not being satisfied. That's why they wonder their mind, their heart. Their, I'm not satisfied. I'm not happy in the marriage anymore. Why? It's a starving marriage. Now, studies have been done on marriage as a product of the two years of COVID. We're in a post-COVID moment. And they say that COVID brought stress upon the home, particularly in the marriage. A recent study said a third, 34%, a third of all married couples said that their marriage was under additional stress during COVID. You might relate to that. A third, that it, it, brought, it brought stress in the home. In this study, they place marriages into one of two categories. And they define them as improvers or decliners. Improvers or decliners. And right there, across this audience and online, you identified which category you're in already. I'm not going to ask you, but you identified personally. Is your marriage improving or is your marriage declining? Some of us, we're on the injured reserve list. We feel like that we're not growing. We feel overtaxed and undernourished. We feel like we're hurting in the relationship. The relationship is not satisfied Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7, and I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. This speaks specifically and directly towards married couples. It says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Notice that. Treat your wife with understanding. Many people don't understand what understanding is. Many people have are oblivious to the concept of understanding. They say, oh, I, I hear her. I listen to her. I think I know what she wants. I'm trying to be understanding. I, I try to go along with her. That's not the meaning of understanding here. The meaning of understanding here in the original language is a word that's not used elsewhere in the New Testament in the Greek. And it has the idea of science. 
In fact, it's the idea of investigating, a study into, an investigation. That's what a scientist does. He looks into, he investigates, he does research. And the idea here is that our spouses, whether husbands to wife, wives to husband, you need to understand, you need to investigate, you need to research, you need to pull their marriage manual out. You need to live with them and understanding life and seasons of life. Take us in the ebb of flow and there are different emotions and we need to be attentive to those emotions. In fact, the book of Proverbs in chapter number five, verse number one, will give us a great definition of understanding. Proverbs five and one says, pay attention and turn your ear to understanding. If I was going to put it succinctly and a, and a practical definition, what is understanding? Pay attention and turn. Pay attention and turn. Now with that, I'm going to give you two statements. If you hear either of these statements from your spouse, pay attention and turn. Pay attention and turn. Do something about it. They're, what, they're, they're, they're giving you a signal. They're putting up a flare. They're sending you a message. Either one of these statements, and there are four words in each statement. Here they are. If your spouse ever says, I don't like when. I don't like when. I don't like when you speak to me that way. I don't like when you do that. I don't like when you respond that way. I don't like, anytime your spouse says, I don't like when, pay attention and turn. They're telling you something that is gonna be instrumental. And if you don't adhere to it, then you're gonna go into the category of a, of a declining marriage. The other statement, four words, is I love it when. I love it when you open the door. I love it when you sit down and talk to me. I love it when you go fishing with me. I love it when we have a quiet time together. I love it when we sit down together and have a family meal. If you hear your spouse saying, I don't like when or I love it when, pay attention and turn. Go back to Proverbs. We're going to build a biblical foundation here. We're going to let God's word teach us. Proverbs chapter 27, verse number 18. It says, the one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit. And whoever protects their master will be honored. It's basically say we reap what we sow. Hear that. Who guards the fig tree will eat of its fruit. Guard it. There are many couples today that don't guard it. They're not guarding their marriage. They're not guarding the emotion. They're, they're hearing things. They're hearing their spouse say, I don't like it when, and they're arguing. Well, you need to change the way you feel about it. You need to get to liking it. And they, they go in this, in this long discussion and telling their spouse they need to change their feelings. They're not guarding it. 
If your spouse says, I'm sad during this time, or I'm not, I'm not feeling affirmed, or I'm, I'm not feeling loved now, I, I don't feel the support. I, I just feel like I'm, I'm going through something. I'm going through something. I'm, I'm having problems on the job. Guard that. And the Bible says, if you guard it, you'll eat of the fruit. And that brings me down to our message title. Here's the message title for this weekend. Breaking the deadlock of wedlock. Breaking the deadlock of wedlock. Some of us are at an impasse. Some of us are in a declining marriage. Some of us are struggling. Some of us have been arguing about the same thing for 10 years. Now you argue about how you argue. You're just caught in this cycle that goes around and around and around, breaking the deadlock of wedlock. Now I have one thought this weekend. It's in your, your app notes. One thought I'm going to deposit in your heart, and then I'm going to unpack it, how to do it and what it means. And here it is. Men feel cherished when they are needed. Women feel cherished when they are loved. There's no amen there, okay? I understand you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure it out. Yeah, you're, you're letting it soak in. Just stay with me. Men feel cherished when they're needed. Women feel cherished when they're loved. For you see, God put as the primary need in men and women something's very different. For women, it's affection, and for men, it's affirmation. Men need affirming. They have a desire to be needed. Women have a have a innate need of affection, and they, are, they feel cherished when they are loved. Now, one Christian researcher looking on how to communicate to a man affirmation put the phrase, I love you, in two words. I thought this was excellent. How can you communicate to a man that he feels affirmed and tell him? What's the most important words to say to a man? And they came out with this. Thank you. That it is. There it is. When, when a man hears thank you, he feels needed. And it inspires him to do the same behavior over and over again. Men, we need to feel needed. Have you ever noticed that if something has happened, uh, they'll say, you know, let me go over there and help. In fact, that's why they keep going to work over and over. I am needed there. We are driven. There's something that God put in us, and it's the need to be needed. Women need to be cherished. Now I'm going to start breaking that down. Let's talk about compatibility. There are all kinds of compatibility tests that you can take out there on the internet. Can I tell you, stay away from them? Stay away from them. Because here's what you'll do. You're going to find that you guys are opposites. You know what? We don't like anything together. 
He's an early riser and I'm a sleeper in. And he likes this and I like, we don't, we don't have anything in common. I like to go do this activity and she likes to do that. And we're just not compatible and we'll take you down to this place saying, all we do is argue about it. We don't see anything together. I guess I chose the wrong person. No. Here's what scripture says. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, when God created Adam and Eve. Here's what he says. This is why a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. They, too, become one. They become one. Here it is. Compatibility is not discovered. Compatibility is created. If I could put anything in the hearts of young adults, grab that. Compatibility is not discovered on eHarmony or somewhere else and filling out or whatever and trying to find somebody that just has all the likes you have. And compatibility is created. It's not discovered. The Bible says they too become one. Many couples today, they, they have never learned to become one. They look at their differences and they have not built a bond and a relationship. How do you do that? Number one, you've got to compromise. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5, that love chapter, it says that love is not self-seeking. You have to compromise. Now, whoever told you marriage is 50-50 is wrong. They're divorced today, okay? <laughs> I'll just guarantee that. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage will always be about a 20-80. Sometimes it's your 80 and her 20, and sometimes it's, it's her 80 and your 20. There will always be a time when you're compromised. There will always be a time where you're giving in. And, and some days it's going to be her that we're giving the 80 to, and some days you're going to be on the top of the list, and you'll get the 80. It's compromising. An unhealthy relationship is when one person's needs overshadow and eclipse everyone else. And the family has to and the marriage have to always attend to one person. And it's always 80-20. And that person always demands their 80. That will always create a lopsided marriage. And lopsided marriages end up being flopsided marriages. Hear me. Compromise. Number two is realistic expectations. Compatibility is created. What do you have to do to have compatibility? Realistic expectations. If you say, you know what, he needs to, he needs to be Superman every day. He has to bring me flowers every day. He has, to, he, has to make, he has to be the source of all my happiness. That's not realist, really realistic expectation. It's like the couple that wants to go to one counseling session and cure a 10-year bad marriage. It won't happen. That's an unrealistic expectation that one time <coughs> will cure everything. Yes. An unrealistic ex expectation is you think about it and you know in your mind, you have your marriage manual in your mind, but you haven't told him what you want. You haven't told her how you feel. Now, I know you've, I know you've listened to Elvis, and that's on your, your playlist. I you were always on my mind. <laughs> the problem is 
Your spouse cannot read your mind. That's an unrealistic expectation is to expect your spouse to know how you feel and what you're thinking. You see, in marriage, compatibility is not thinking alike. It's thinking together. It's thinking together. Denise and I, we're, we're opposites. There's so many things. She likes different activities than I like. She likes to watch a will of fortune. She's good at those game shows. She can, I can never fit. I mean, an I, and I'm working there. I, I don't have any idea what that word is saying. And she spits it out. I said, how'd you do that? She just, she's good at that. I'm not good at that. Okay. We're, we're, we're opposite. I, I'm an early riser. Yeah. I got up this morning at alarm at four o'clock. She is not an early riser. You will take your life in your hands if you get her up too early. We're, we're, we're opposite, but we don't, we don't think alike. We think together. Example, my definition of now is different from her definition of now. When I, for me, now means right now. In the next 10 seconds, I'm ready to go now. I'm, I'm wanna, I want to walk out the door at that very moment. Now means for me, right now. For Denise, now means any time in the next month. <laughs> She'll think about it. I'll ask her, hey, we, we, we talked about getting this together now. Yeah, what have you done? Nothing. Nothing, nothing, I'm thinking about it. Well, it's, it's coming up. Well, that's all right. Just take a chill pill, Ryan, she'll say, you know. Just calm down. It'll get there. I have a different definition of the word now than Denise does. We have a different, different definition of a home-cooked meal. Yeah. Denise thinks a home-cooked meal is any meal cooked in the home. No, don't clap at that. <laughs> don't clap at that. Denise doesn't need support in this right now. If you microwave it, if you pull cellophane off of it and you open it up, that is cooked in the home. That's a home-cooked meal. My definition of a home-cooked meal, I want to hear a rolling pin going, and I want to see flour on the counter. Honey, let's have a home-cooked breakfast. I, I want to hear eggs bubbling there in the skillet. Biscuits. I, I, want, to, I, I, I want to hear rolling pin. I don't want to hear that pop. Are you with me? Jesus never heard that pop. G Mary never served Jesus canned biscuits. And I told Denise that. Oh, Jesus never heard that sound. He didn't invent that sound. He heard, he heard this. That's what Jesus heard. We have a different definition of a home-cooked meal. You see, we're not alike, but we think together. Let's go on. I'm unpacking. Men feel cherished when they're needed. 
Women feel cherished when they're loved. Let's talk about attraction. Attraction fades over time. Attraction has to be renewed. A study was done. Every couple, every relationship, attraction begins to wane at about 18 months. Have you ever noticed you dated somebody about 18 months in it? You don't feel as thrilled with them? It just happens. Attraction fades about 18 month mark. Let me put it this way. In a marriage, the new car smell wears off. Yeah. Yeah. You have to renew. <laughs> you have to renew attraction. Both relational and romantic attraction has to be renewed in the relationship. Now, Men, I want your attention for six minutes. Give me six minutes and I'm going to change your life. Ladies, you don't even have to listen. <laughs> Go ahead and get your phone out and check the waiting line at the restaurant. Go ahead. You don't need this. But guys, I need your utmost attention for six minutes because I'm going to change your life. You're in a marriage. How do you communicate? We get caught, you say, in these, we just get in this cycle of debate. We never see eye to eye. We just, we get caught in this, 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 this cycle of, of difficulty and, and we feel like we're pulling apart. Men, I'm going to use this as an illustration. The, this is an analogy. You need a bucket and a mirror. Not a literal bucket, emotionally. A bucket and a mirror. What do you use the bucket for? Something's leaking, something's spilling. You put the bucket out, right? It's to catch whatever's leaking, whatever's spilling, so it doesn't make a mess all over the floor. You with me? A bucket is for mess. It just, you capture the mess. What does a mirror do? A mirror only reflects back. A mirror can't make you look younger. A mirror can't make you look, can't put hair back on your head cannot take wrinkles. It only shows you what is. So here it is. Guys, when you're speaking with your wife, you need a bucket and a mirror. This represents something. When she's upset and she's talking and she's going on, just put your bucket, catch the mess. And the mirror means you just repeat back to her exactly what she says. Don't add to it. Just repeat back to her. Mirror, reflect, don't add anything. Don't add anything to it. Don't try to fix her. Don't try to change her. Just be a mirror and reflect back. Let me give you an example. Your wife comes home, it's been a busy week, and she's just frustrated and she comes home, something happened. You notice that she sets things down on the counter. The, the green beans, the can just went down kind of loud. And she's really not talking and she's not getting eye contact. You, you just discern something is not right. You say, what's going on? Well, I'm glad you asked that. I'm glad you, I've had trouble at work, work all week long, and nobody appreciates it. Just put the bucket out. Just put, just catch it. Just, okay, let her spill her guts. Let her, let her vent. And nobody, you know, I work all the time, and the other coworker, they got the promotion, and they don't give me, and they don't appreciate what I'm doing. And then I come home, and guess what? You all just watch your sports, and the kids get on their devices, and they just go and do. And I have to come home, and my day starts all over again. I have to cook for everybody. 
just let her put it in the bucket, okay? And you, you, you don't ever offer me to help me. You don't ever do. The home is a place that you can relax. You know, I got, I got lunches to prepare for the kids. I got homework to do. And you just sit there and you watch the evening sport. Just let her fill the bucket up. Occasionally, just repeat back to her. Here's, here's how it works. Okay, guys, here's how it works. Ladies, keep looking for a restaurant. Just guys, you stay with me, okay? Here it is. Honey, what's wrong? I just went to work today and everybody's complaining and everybody's getting my boss doesn't appreciate you. Your boss doesn't appreciate you, huh? Yes, he doesn't appreciate me at all. He just goes on and I come home and the kids don't pay attention. The kids don't do what I want. The kids are not paying attention. Yeah, and sometimes you, you go and do everything and I work at the house and I do it and my day starts over and you're just there watching sports and you don't help me. You don't think I help you. Just that's all you do. Let her fill the bucket and repeat back to her. Don't get your toolbox out. Don't try to fix her. Don't say, well, what you really need to do is you need to change your attitude. Whoa. Well, that will be a mushroom cloud that will go up. You are now at ground zero. You are in trouble. Listen, let her fill the bucket and just repeat what she says. And it de-stresses. Now, guys, ladies, keep looking for the restaurant. Guys, there's three words you need to know. Three, only three things you need to say. She's upset. She's mad at you. She's mad at your, your parents. She's mad at, at, at your family. She's, she's mad at what you did. She's mad that something happened. You, she's mad that you forgot something. You didn't attend to something or you didn't do it the right. She is upset at you. Three words. Three words that will immediately de-escalate. Guys, here they are. Hmm. Ah. Say it with me, guys. Here they are. Mmm. Oh. That's all you need to say. Let me show you how it works. She's upset. She's upset. She's filling the bucket up. You know, I was going to work today and nobody, no, the boss wasn't, the boss didn't appreciate what I do and I put in overtime and it just seems like no one appreciates. Mm. And I come home and the kids, the kids, they're not doing what I say. They, they, they don't treat me with respect. And you, you, you sometimes don't give, you take the kid's side and you don't take my side. Oh, that's all you need to say, guys. That's all you need to say and gives her permission to fill the bucket up and it resolves the conflict. You see, men argue to stop an argument. Women argue to show they have a right to argue. Guys, we're trying to stop and we get in the fray of it and what we need to do is she needs, she needs to release. She needs to feel cherished. And when you listen and you just repeat back, you're validating how she feels. You see, we behave ourselves out of what we behave ourselves into. We behave ourselves out of 
what we behave ourselves into. And in closing, I'm going to do part two of this message next weekend. But let me bring it down to this. There is a practice, a ritual, that I've had the privilege of conducting several times in a Hispanic or Mexican wedding. It's a, it's a ritual, and it has a rich meaning to it, and it's called the lasso. If you're not familiar with, here's what it'll be. The couple, after the vows, and they've said, I do, they will typically kneel before the minister. And as a symbol of their union, they bring a lasso up. Typically, they have appointed friends or family to bring the lasso up. And it's a circle tied together with another circle. And they put the lasso on the bride and they put the lasso on the groom. And it symbolizes they're eternally united. Their hearts are together. And the idea of the lasso is that you guys are now one. The couple is one. They're lassoed together. And if you've got a lasso, take the image and you try to pull apart, it hurts when you pull apart. But it never wounds if you stay together. That's the imagery. And some of us need to allow the Holy Spirit to put the lasso back around us. For you see, the lasso works when you pull together, but it always hurts when you pull apart. Let's pray. Father, right now I pray. There are marriages, both online, church, and here in the room, that would classify themselves as declining. It's not what they wanted. Maybe an interruption, it, it, it may have been conflict, it may have been a family member, it could have been outside issues, it could be dysfunction from the past, it could have been a mistake, it could be a personality, it, it could just be indifference, it could, different things come our way, but they, they define their marriage as declining. And I pray that they will become one again. I pray they will discover the oneness and the Holy Spirit who is the master of the heart will open the heart and allow emotions to flow and allow hearts to be mended and draw them together that today they can break the deadlock of wedlock. I pray your peace. I pray your grace and your goodness upon them. I pray, God, that there will be a season of letting go and stepping into the promise and the future. I pray, God, the favor of the Lord. I pray the goodness of God. I pray hearts, God, the hurt of the heart, that she will feel cherished and he will feel cherished in this marriage, in this relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.